Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. It's the Adweek podcast where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor with Adweek. With me back again is Christina Monlos, our brand marketing editor. Christina, always great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Also got back Marty Swant, technology writer here at Adweek. Marty, how are things going? Things are thankfully snowy today. It reminds me of Minnesota for once this winter. Nice. And very excited to have Josh Rios, a video editor and producer here at Adweek, uh, who is going to be headed to Austin. Speaking of snowy, there will not be any down there, uh, to for South by Southwest that we're going to be covering uh, today on the show. Josh, great to have you. Uh, you've been on before, right? I have been on before, but it was the, yeah. we haven't been on together before. This is one of those okay. times where you were out and I had to jump in. Bum, well, bum, bum. <laughs> As uh, loyal listeners who make it to the end of the show may know, Josh is always in the credits at the end. Uh, He is our production guru for getting the podcast set up. And it is great to have you on the other side of the mic today. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about. We've got Momo. We've got got YouTube uh, making a dramatic uh, change in policy, which is the actual news. and then, like I said, we're going to talk South by Southwest. Uh, this is our preview episode of the festival, uh, which has become, I would say, and we'll get into this more, like it's become less and less of a tech festival, more and more of a marketing festival, uh, which has kind of been an interesting evolution to watch over the last uh, 10 years, I'd say, 10, 11 years. Um, but, uh, but yeah, first, let's get to the news. All right. Uh, we had a big scoop uh, in the past few days. Uh, we uh, got a hold of a letter that YouTube was sending out to its major advertisers, basically letting them know about a massive uh, change in policy. They are shutting down all comments on content featuring uh, minors, uh, young minors. Uh, so this comes about, um, you know, we're not going to get too too deep in the weeds here of kind of everything that's led to this. Obviously, we, there's been a lot of ongoing brand safety discussions around YouTube and other video platforms for the past few years now, usually around things like hate groups and, uh, you know, the obviously conspiracy theories and your Alex Jones type stuff. This is much I, you know, I don't, I don't know what the scale looks like for how bad these things are, but this one's maybe the creepiest one yet, which was, uh, you know, someone showed how networks of pedophiles basically take advantage of the comments section of really innocuous videos about young kids just doing their thing, and uh, and use it to network with each other and to share pornography. 
and uh, you know, really horrible stuff. And as as a parent of kids who were kind of in this age range, I was, you know, I've I've very much kept YouTube at arm's length. Um, because of issues like that. Um, and as, you know, a lot of parents say, oh, the videos, you know, they don't, you don't run across bad videos in there. I'm like, well, but there's comments and there's internet. There's a lot of bad stuff on yeah, YouTube. Yep. And so they, they, they clearly are trying to take a, um, a, a pretty big step here. Uh, Marty, tell us a little bit about this, uh, you know, this evolution of brand safety. And I mean, we're talking about it functionally like turning off an entire piece of of youtube's core functionality here this isn't just about ad placements i mean i feel like this is one of the most dramatic moves we've seen a, a you know a platform make yeah i mean it's definitely dramatic and i guess a fairly swift action i guess you could say from youtube um i mean brand safety as we know is it's not necessarily a new uh problem on the platform but um I think it is interesting that they're cutting off comments. Uh, that's something we haven't seen before. Um, but it, I think in general, um, YouTube has been acting more decisively. I mean, going back a few months ago to when it and several other platforms cut off Alex Jones and Infowars. Um, the, the platforms have historically not wanted to moderate if they didn't have to because they wanted to not seem like a media company, and uh, which has all sorts of implications, whether it's fake news or anything else. But um, I think it seemed like a good move, and, and advertisers at least um, publicly talk about not wanting this stuff, even though we see that they're often reluctant to actually pull their ad money in the long term because, frankly, YouTube and Facebook work for advertisers, or so they say. And so um, – I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious what other channels they might clamp down on at this point. Well, and, you know, it's interesting seeing it. AT&T, I, I believe, has uh, been one of the, the only major advertisers to pull out completely. Uh, basically, they said, listen, as long as there's a chance that YouTube's going to show harmful content that we don't want to be affiliated with, which, come on, let's all be honest, there's always going to be that chance. Uh, you know, then they're like, yeah. We just don't want to be involved, and uh, they have not responded to this. It, they certainly didn't come out and say, oh, in that case, never mind. <laughs> but I think also uh, AT&T is not targeting uh, you know, ads at children. So, so it's, this isn't necessarily a one-to-one response to their concerns. Uh, Christina, obviously, you spent a lot of time talking to uh, CMOs and brand leaders. What, you know, what's your feel right now for their, their kind of outlook of these video platforms which have been trying to crack down on on you know bad players, bad content, but it also feels kind of unrealistic to me that they'll ever be wiped out. I mean, you look at Twitter and these places. Like, can they? Can these platforms, uh, you know, ever become the kind of sanitary place that these brands want to play in? No, they can't. But I think I think brands are in a difficult position where they want the eyeballs that they know they're going to get on these platforms and yet they don't want any of the risks associated with it it's 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 tricky because i don't know if they can ever clean up how how things are going on these various platforms if they don't view themselves as a media company if the, and if they don't want to um moderate these things you know i i think for i think the internet in general <laughs> has been over the last couple years really trying to figure out like all of these big internet companies really trying to figure out like what is their place 
what do they, what's their responsibility? What do they actually have to do? And I think for a very long time, we've been seeing these companies sort of shirk responsibility. And now, you you know, in embarrassing public hearings, we have those uh, companies leaders realizing that no, if, if, if this is going to be a platform where people connect to each other and it's going to be misused by people because it's the internet and that's what people do, uh, then you have to do something about it. Especially, um, you know, if, if that content is in front of children, I mean, it's just, it's just so wild to me. And what's so wild about covering this space is just like, you know, a lot of people, you don't pay attention to it until marketers are like, oops, that looks bad for our brand to be near there. Maybe, maybe, maybe we don't want to be associated with uh, pedophile comments. How about that? It's like, how, how does it get to this place? How does it get to this place? You know, it's, well, it's interesting too that you know any YouTube comments are just like not say all, but man, they're they're overwhelmingly awful. And you know, I spend a lot of time, of course, looking at ads and looking at any video content. Man, look at YouTube Rewind. You know, look at the comments on that, and like that's your own content, mm-hmm. and you, yep. you you've got people just completely just being awful human beings. Josh, I, I'm curious about your history with YouTube as a content creator. Like when. What were your first experiences like with YouTube of actually putting content out there and about comments and about kind of your feel for the platform as someone who, who creates video content? I remember like mostly when I discovered YouTube is when I was in high school and like there was a lot of things of like rules before. Like I remember Lazy Sunday being a big thing when I was in high school and it was one of those mm-hmm. things where it was a giant pain to find a copy of Lazy Sunday if you didn't have it. Like YouTube back then was very much like you could get it for like send a person a clip one time and then the next hour that clip is gone. But it's one of those things like I feel like content creation on YouTube has become more of a personalized thing. Like I know a bunch of like influencers and people who work there who use their comments to actually talk with their communities and stuff like that. So turning off comments entirely for all child stuff, sometimes it could be a good thing, but it also decreases like furless content creators who often have like branded content and like talk to their audience about stuff. I just feel like YouTube at this point is a mess, but it's Mm -hmm. the only thing that I feel like a whole generation of kids actually use YouTube. Like, I remember, like, they use it for child time or they just follow, like, funny things, but I think the real problem is is actually the autoplay feature, which is one of those things in which it's just, like, you're recommended the next type of videos that are going around and that's automized and automatized in such a way that it kind of just like you could get a random box of anything at your next point, which I think this is where a lot of this stuff is coming towards, sort of like how the Momo challenge like popped up out of nowhere. And it's just like, if you watch like one video, it just keeps giving you more Momo videos or they're secretly hidden in the products for children. Like, yeah, I I think there was a while ago that there was like a Spider-Man like free show that some kids were doing and then it turned into something else like halfway through but a parent or anyone watching would never know that from like the clips or from anything and I think that's somewhere where the comments would help in a way but that's where I go from it. But that's yeah. also the problem with the platform in general is the, is all of the automation. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, uh, to out myself, I watch um, cringe videos on no. YouTube 
Oh yeah. No. I watched the like cringe clips Wait, of what? Marty, do you know what a cringe clip is? <laughs> I yeah, don't. I'm, I'm, with, I'm sorry. I'm with Marty. I, uh, I, I have a hunch what this Christina is, but tell um, us what, what cringe clips it's are. It's basically these clips of like it's you know, when you've seen someone like filming uh some horrible interaction with like a person at a gas station or something like that. They're all these just like the worst of humanity. Um <sighs> And there are all these, like, clips strung together of just uh, usually a horrible racist person screaming at another person. And I watch hours of these, and part of it is because because YouTube just automatically... I mean, my brain is broken, Josh, but but I am okay. but no, it's uh, I watch these with my boyfriend all the time, and it's like I I've truly recognized that like I don't know if I would keep watching these if their automation wasn't there, and it and it's all my entire YouTube channel is just recommended of like someone screaming at someone or like the top road rage in America. <laughs> oh god, it's it's really bad, you guys. Wait, what is, <laughs> but, what is did you ever find number two? That's the real question. What is the number uh, two rage? moment in america (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's bad well anyway well we're thinking about all the things that we that we see or that other people see right so i mean i'm thinking back to that investigation by the verge uh, i think it was last week where they had this whole um expose on uh this uh third-party company called Cognizant, which is where a lot of Facebook moderators work and they're getting paid i think it's like twenty eight thousand dollars a year to watch murders and, and pornography and all these really graphic things. And these people are being paid a really poor salary to, I mean, I can't imagine all the mental harm that's coming from this. And the story goes into that. Um, and, and so like, what is the price that, that we and users pay for, I mean, often harmless content, but it comes at the expense of all these people being paid to watch hours and hours and days and days upon end of content that's really bad for everybody. So it's like this small group of people being paid very little money that takes the hit for all of us that gets to watch whatever we want. And I, I can't help but wonder about the ethics of that. Do you remember that YouTube yeah. used to have live moderators? A little bit, but it's been a while. <laughs> well, they, they've supposedly hired 10,000, I believe, um, you know, moderation yep. humans uh, over the last like year. Um, you know, so they're much like Facebook. And to your point, you know, it's, it, it sounds good on paper. Uh, but then you, you know, you talk about the human toll of this is, uh, you, you know, I, I've watched some, uh, unintentionally watched some pretty horrible things go down on, on the internet and, and ble- you know, blessedly nothing compared to some of the stuff I could have seen. Uh, but you know, I just, it, yeah, I do not to be one of those, like think of the children people, but I'm just like, Oh my God, if I can stumble across this. <laughs> in, in the road rage compilation, I just watched someone put. No, someone put in video of a murder and it was, and yeah, and they edited it to the point where like you couldn't see the actual murder, but my boyfriend Andy um, perked up and he was like, oh my God, like that's an actual murder. I can't believe someone would put that in there. And it's like, we're late twenties, thirties adults, like looking at this and (laughs) you know, stumbling across video of a murder. And like, that's the problem with these massive platforms where you, you have no idea what people are putting in there. You just have no idea. And even if you have these moderators, like it's, it's, 
it's still the Wild West, yeah. and it's bad. And I can't think. Well, uh, just one other thought on there, like on that note, thinking about for the kids. I mean, thinking about YouTube has their brandcast event every year, right? Where they have a red carpet where they often bring in uh, a lot of teens to stand there and talk to their their YouTube creators as they're walking down the red carpet before they. You know, are there for the big event, which is, you know, obviously advertisers. It's a big pitch to advertisers there, too. And I can't help but think about I would love to see what percentage of YouTube videos come from the top 20 to 30 well-curated creators that are being paid very well for their for their content. But I would love to see, like, I don't know. I just wonder, like, what is, like, I would love to see, like, a pie chart breakdown of, like, the good content that people put out. and that, But how much, um, for lack of a better word, I guess, leakage there is of, like, all these bad videos that pop in as well. There's a lot of leakage. Yeah, there's a lot of leakage. (laughs) I I also think it's sort of just like online society is just like a lot of it is mostly like, what is that word I'm looking for? Um, Anger-driven. Like it's (laughs) just an anger-driven click thing. So it's just like if anger, me being angry at like Star Wars or something brings out the clicks and then I get paid for that, does that become my brand? And then (laughs) does that one of those things that just like I am famous for being angry at stuff? Yeah, the the thing that... I, I I feel lucky in the sense that my kids don't want to make content like video content. They don't want to make YouTube videos, but man, a ton of kids do. Like, right? It's the new pro basketball player. It's like people see these YouTube content creators. Like, it's become a popular career aspiration for children. Uh, when you ask them what they're going to do, it's like, oh, I'm going to be a Fortnite streamer. I'm going to be a YouTube fashion uh, guru. Like, these are and and I'm not judging that. Like, that's cool. That's their equivalent of watching. You know, the watching like national news or watching TV shows and being like, I want to be an actor. I want to be on that. And that's something they can actually try learning. But the, the thing that makes me sad about all this and about turning off the comments, which is probably the right thing to do. I hate comments. But, like, I know so many kids who they don't really care about the view counts on their videos. They care about the, the feedback, right? They want someone to tell them that they did a good job and that they mm-hmm. liked their video or their video was funny. Like, that's what they really live for. And then part of me is always like, oh, yeah, but don't read don't read those comments like like yeah but it's just one of those things they want that kind of feedback and the view counts are nice but you know it's just it's whenever i see kids who are really into that part of me is like cool that there is a lot of career potential and probably the sooner you get started trying that but then also i'm like don't don't be on the internet just go just <laughs> yep go yep. get off the internet and and like i said i'm just lucky my kids don't want to do that but so many of my relatives do and i'm just like yeah that's um you know, yeah. it's there, there's no there's no answer. <laughs> well, let's be, on that. Oh, sorry, jumping in one more thing. I don't know, but uh, I, I know we talk about advertisers pulling their money and they're not pulling their money and will they won't that kind of thing. But this might sound naive, as much, might sound altruistic. But I mean, if advertisers really cared about this stuff, why wouldn't they pull that money and put it into newspapers and online websites and real journalism, where there isn't a brand safety issue? Because they they don't get the level of a, of engagement and I know, but it, it, yeah. it just it isn't there. But that would like, be the ultimate sacrifice for them to actually if if it's going to hurt their bottom line a little bit just to make a point, even for a quarter. Companies just, yeah. aren't going to hurt their bottom line. <laughs> that's what I'm period. saying. Like I think all of this is posturing. I'm, I'm just that's what I'm saying. It's like all this is posturing for nothing because they don't actually care at the end of the day what kids are seeing. They just don't want to look good. Well, th- this is a phrase I've never I've never said before. But in YouTube's defense. Um, I, I think new, newspaper uh, and news outlet comments are maybe worse. Uh, as mm-hmm. a person who used yeah. to work on Facebook <laughs> for our local news station, True. yeah, they're yeah. worse, yeah. and you can't delete those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, 
it's pretty horrible. And like, and a lot of the, as, as Marty and I know, and probably all of us know that if you've worked in one of those, a lot of their impressions are generated by people refreshing the comments and checking the comments and fighting with each other. And yeah. so there is a True. financial motivation, even if it's a tacit one, to uh, keep it going. Uh, and also, to keep... marketers' jobs are tied to growth. They're not going to hurt their <laughs> bottom line yeah. because their their actual job depends on that. So that it's not going to happen. Well, let's talk about Momo because, uh, you know, it's come <laughs> up a little bit. And this is one of those classic, like, things that can only happen because of sites like YouTube. Um, you know, just to catch people up, this was a, a hoax that was going around trying to scare uh, parents, I guess, about uh, this, uh, you know, saying that kids were being encouraged to hurt themselves, commit suicide, Um you know, I think there were some fake screenshots early on. This is one I haven't done a full deep dive down. It's I did not want to do a deep dive down the rabbit hole of how these oh, weird, gosh. like, 4, 4chan and weird freaky things that, that come around. I tend to just delete them and, and move on with my life. But, um, but, you know, this one just kept going to the point where yesterday I got an email from our school system, not just my, my kid's school, but, like, the entire school system about the Momo. Uh, and it did not use the word hoax. Um, and I actually wrote back to them and said, yeah, I appreciate you letting people know about this. And they linked to a news article about it, which did say it was a hoax, but I'm like, next time use the word hoax and, and say that, and, and make your point about like, cause all it did was basically saying this thing is going around and, and then link to a news article. It's like, next time just say like, this thing is not real, but we, we do screen for this kind of stuff. And if, you know, if your kids bring it up, here's how you can talk to them about this kind of stuff. Um, but then today they sent and, – and they wrote back and just said, yeah, we were trying not to like – trying to be careful with our phrasing. Like you don't want to say it's a hoax and then have some kid hurt themselves. You know what I mean? And then and then like, oh, okay, well, when did a hoax become real? But but then they sent out a note today apologizing for the first email. Oh <laughs> and, I'm, wow. and I'm like, I'm like, guys, don't know. Like, But it's clear that schools just don't know. They don't know how to – how to handle something like this because is – Yes, it's a hoax, but then at some point these things kind of spiral out. So the the news, I guess, today is that YouTube pulled monetization off of all Momo videos in hopes of trying to slow down this um, this kind of viral spread of something where, to the point we were just making, a lot of people are motivated by the fact that this will get views, this will get money. Um, if I just keep, like, yeah, you watch a Momo video and then it'll cycle to the next one and cycle to the next one. It turned off monetization of all those. They haven't deleted the videos or anything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was interesting to see on the heels of this comment thing that, that YouTube kind of very quickly jumped in and and was just like, well, we're at least pulling the money. But they've also done this to, I don't think this is like the most damning move because they've also pulled monetization from people like Logan Paul, you know, and they seem to be doing just fine. He's <laughs> fine again, right? He did his redemption tour. He's fine. He's cool. <laughs> I'm mad at, uh, as a segue or a side note, I'm really mad about Logan Paul mainly because he's in he like has an appearance in this movie Valley Girl. They remade Valley Girl and I've been waiting to see it and they've been holding it because of Logan Paul. Not happy about that. Oh. Um but uh, you know Marty any thoughts on on kind of I, I feel like the Momo challenge really comes along at a 
at a at a terrible time for YouTube trying <laughs> trying to like salvage its brand <laughs> image. And, and you know, again, this isn't on them. This is really on the just garbage human. And I saw it circulating somewhere other than YouTube uh, first. I saw it circulating as like fake screenshots on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but it just seems like there's always going to be something like this that comes along and and just is constantly poking at the weak spot. So so YouTube can turn off comments on all children videos and then boom, you've got this fake suicide hoax going around. Um, it's a hell of a challenge trying to, <laughs> trying to be, it's like I feel a vague amount of sympathy uh, for YouTube, probably more than I do for advertisers because to, to Marty's point, Advertisers can go elsewhere. There's other options. You don't have to stay on a platform just because you like Branded the numbers, but... content. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. I mean, like, it's a, and that's why you see so many brands, if you want to make social content, make it with an influencer. Don't just run ads against stuff and hope that you don't get a conspiracy or a clan video or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Marty, any thoughts on where, where YouTube is going to focus over the rest of this year on trying to convince people that it's a a safe platform. I don't know. <laughs> Solve yeah. it for us, Marty. Solve it. Solve it. Um, you know, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, I, I know that these companies are, you know, at least Facebook is, I'm sure, or YouTube is too. Like they're adding in like AI and natural, natural language processing to be able to scan for certain words. And so I don't know if it's just a matter of adding in. I'm sure they've already added in Momo. Maybe they haven't. I don't know. I'm still, again, another one of those stories I haven't covered. I've just been reading about. Um, but, I'm I'm kind of curious, yeah, and it'll be interesting too to see in a couple of months when they have their their annual rollout of new programming, um, how much of this is, um, you know, premium content versus anything else. But I, I really don't know. Um, I feel like all these companies have been focused on the. This is a whole other topic for another podcast, but the data privacy issue. They're focused on that these days, I think, as well. And so it's. I mean, these are massive companies with a lot of resources, but there's only so many things that they can focus on at any given time. And I mean, I've heard about Momo for the first time on Twitter. Um, you know, someone, a, a journalist had tweeted uh, a meme um, and there's like this graphic Momo image and I had to close down my Twitter feed because I'm like, this is, this looks awful. I don't want people wondering what I'm looking at, this weird image. And it was terrifying. And I, I'm like, but that's on Twitter. It wasn't even on YouTube. Um, but obviously it's just uh just spreading to other platforms and someone was making a joke about it, but still. There's just this common sense barrier between what I think as a, as just a layman, as just someone who uses this technology, what you think these platforms should be able to do versus what they actually do. Like you would think that if someone posts death threats on Instagram or DMs them or whatever, Mm -hmm. that their algorithms can detect that. I mean, it's a pretty specific set of words. And, you know, recently I saw a woman I follow on Instagram got bombarded because she said something mean about, you know, who knows, Trump or whatever. And she just got bombarded with death threats and rape threats on the public comments of her Instagram feed. Not, I mean, I'm sure DMs were worse, but like, like I'm watching them all and they're hours old and they literally say things like, I hope you die. You know, it's like they're, they're not subtle. (laughs) There's no like nuance to this. And I'm like, Hey, how are these accounts not immediately disabled or at least promptly reviewed by something of like, hey, are they sending out that note quite a bit? And I do this all the I report accounts attacking, you know, we're journalists and fellow journalists, usually women, are attacked mm-hmm. nonstop. 
on Twitter and I flag accounts all the time. And the only time I ever get a report back from Twitter saying like, thanks for reporting that person. We've shut them down. Every time I get that confirmation, it's never one of those people. It's never one of the like death threat no. people. It's it's no. always like they were misusing a trademark. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, good. They nice don't crackdown. care. If they cared, they would do something about it. But f- f- for harassment on the platforms, they don't care. Truly. I I mean, I hate to put it like that, but if they cared, we would see it. There would be a difference. People have been complaining about this since the platform's existence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you would just think that that's where these algorithms and machine learning and stuff could, could, you know, there, and we see this all the time where like good people, you know, say something and then they get an immediate like you have violated that phrasing violates this or whatever and it's just like wait i get that but not the people constantly posting death threats well the the tricky thing too i think down the road is as as you know one-to-one messaging becomes more popular the dark web or whatever else you know whatsapp and stuff like that um I wonder if that's going to be trickier, especially when things are encrypted. I mean, will it be harder for these platforms to more easily track what's spreading, whether it's fake news or harassment or anything else? I mean, it's easy when it's a public forum, but when it's, you know, one-to-one in, in another country where maybe the data is even localized, it's it's going to get tougher to moderate if you can't just um, look at it all publicly. I mean, even these companies, yeah – But again, they they don't care about moderation (laughs) because if they did, then they would recognize that this is a problem that they're facing with these, uh, this version of what they're doing. And they would, they would put in a fix for that before rolling out new opportunities, but they don't care. It's it's all profit centered and they can probably get more money from advertisers and, you know, from whatever, uh, by, by like, that's, that's the model to innovate and break shit and fix it later, but they never fix it later. You just said Facebook's like promise. (laughs) What? Fast break things. Uh, no, that's Facebook's like motto for like a long while. He like reiterated it. All right. Well, we failed to solve the issues of bad content on the internet. (laughs) Next week, <laughs> maybe we'll solve it. maybe they have the next podcast. Turn it off. We'll iron it out. Um, we are uh, we're going to now move on to our uh, big discussion of the week, which is looking forward to South by Southwest 2019. All right, uh, South by Southwest. I, I should g- give a big caveat that I've never been. You know, I've been talking to people about it for literally over a decade. I remember when, was it like 08, uh, 07, 08, when Twitter really blew up out of South by Southwest and it got this reputation as the tech festival where you learned about what was what was going to be next. You know, it's like, oh, Foursquare. And, oh, you know, it's like all these like, you know, n- next level things uh, coming out of it. And, you know, Twitter was was probably the most famous one. But that that reputation has changed. Uh, Marty, from a from a tech perspective, um, how do you feel that 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 the conference has like its perception within the industry? How has it changed over the years? Uh, I've only gone once. I went, I think, two or three years ago. So it's been a little while. Um, so I can't speak for the last couple of years. But um, it, it's interesting to see what's on the docket for this year. I mean, there's a whole track on the last few days related to blockchain. There's another track related to cannabis, um, which obviously isn't tech. But there's some tech in cannabis, I guess. Um, but and a lot of VR stuff. But 
I mean, it's, it's not a place where people go for gadget announcements or stuff like that. That's CES and, and increasingly Mobile World Congress um, in, in Barcelona, which just wrapped up earlier this week. Um, it's a good question. I, mean, I think people go there for yeah, obviously a, a lot more brand stuff these days. And there is a lot of tech integrations with a lot of this stuff. Like last year, you know, when Ready Player One had their big rollout for the movie, there were, I think, eight to ten different pieces of content that HTC uh, created uh, along with the movie, um, which is obviously using tech, but it's to promote a movie. Um, so I don't know. It's not a place where people go for news or to see the future necessarily. That's that's already happened two months ago. The future has happened. Um but I'll be curious to see this year, and I'll have to look back at my notes from a few years ago. But, I mean, look, Christina, you went last year. What, what what would you say is, you know, the big difference for you the last few years? Um, I would say that it's become increasingly a place for, <sighs> to use a term that makes me cringe. Oh, <laughs> cringe video. Don't say surprise and delight. Don't say surprise and delight. I hate it's that marketing for phrase. marketers to surprise and delight people. Oh, no. <laughs> nice. Good job, Marty. Mm-hmm. Good guess. Mm-hmm. There it is. But basically, I, I really, I am only getting pitches about experiential stuff at South by. It's like there are thousands of people there. They're all going to, you know, work for these brands, whether they view it that way or not, by taking out their phones and being like, oh my God, look at this cool thing. I'm at this cool thing. Do you have FOMO that I'm at this cool thing for this cool brand and you're not? Like that is what South by has become. Christina, no. My my memories Mm -hmm. of going to see Westworld are you're diminishing them. I got a cool hat. I had FOMO for not, you, for not being at Westworld. It's one of the cool only hat. shows I've seen in the last few years, and I didn't get to go to Westworld. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get to go. You had the FOMO. It worked. It's it real. worked. They, it's, it's, it's a place <laughs> where it's already filled with a ton of stuff, and then for like two weeks, it's filled with way more people. Uh, for this conference, and now why not just take over more and more of Austin? With these houses, with immersive experiences for brands, like that's really, that's really what it is, man. Let me let me ask you something. Do you think it's becoming less of a professional expo type festival and becoming more of like a San Diego Comic Con? Yeah, I, I do. Mm, a little bit kinda. because. <laughs> I think that people are paying less attention to the programming, even though the programming this year is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like they have a whole political track. They have they have a bunch of the Democratic nom- potential Democratic nominees for president who are all appearing there. You know, they also have a blockchain track and a can of business track. There's so, like some good stuff in there. I, also- I could be wrong, but I, I think Christina Monlos is on the speaker roster. I happen true. to she be. <laughs> I happen to be. Can you guys guess what I'm talking about? Experiential or surprising Ex- and delighting? Uh, cringe yeah. videos. Ghost. <laughs> cringe videos. Is I really ghost? shouldn't have revealed that, but here we go. I believe you're going to be talking to the uh, HBO Giant Spoon folks about South yes. by Southwest activations, which I is kind of I am. Mad. 
And uh, Giant Spoon will be back, and HBO will be back with a Game of Thrones activation. Just to run through, so pe- so our listeners understand that they're why why I'm saying it's more experiential. So last year there was the Westworld immersive experience, which we've talked about on this podcast. But if you haven't heard those episodes, it was basically like. Here's Westworld, a show about going to a park where you can, like, be someone else. Let's just bring people to a version of that park where they can be someone else. And so they made that come to life. It was insane. Uh, Josh Rios and myself. Insane is an understatement. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, When Josh Rios and myself went to it, we were on a bus that almost um, turned over into a ditch. So that was that was entertaining. Uh, All part of the activation. I I think I've just unlocked a memory for for Josh that's a bit painful. But we truly thought we were gonna like flip over. Um, I think that was like that was a moment between me and Christina, which I said, "Listen, um, worst comes to worst, this was pretty fun, but." It, it didn't help that, like, we were by the window, so it was just, like, if the bus did do it, I was like, oh, no. all right, I'm going to angle myself so it's not my face, so I can at least have something nice for my family. Um, all right. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, if we were recording, it easily could have. Um but anyway, so there was that Westworld experience. It was huge. It was big for the brand. It was big for Giant Spoon. It's part of the reason they won. Oh, God. What agency of the year did they get? Um, Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Breakthrough agency of the year. Part of the reason they won Breakthrough agency of the year. And so they are coming back. Uh, they're bringing Westeros to life. Um if you're a Game of Thrones fan, do you understand that? But it's a Game of Thrones thing. Wait, and is it is it called South by South Westeros? <laughs> I don't know. This time. You revealed your secrets too early. That'll be on the newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so there's that one, and then um, Amazon Prime is bringing a Neil Gaiman uh, book to uh, its platform as a show, and then they're bringing that to life at South By um, with this Good Omens Garden of Heavenly Delights, um, where they're trying to make you think that the apocalypse is happening, which, you know, it's 2019, we all think that anyway. So uh, they're, they're like bringing hellhounds and all of that sort of stuff to South By, and then there's this oasis where you can go and get like food and drinks and all of that for them. Then beyond that, there's Netflix is bringing this movie, The Highwaymen, uh, to life there, where it's going to be like the 1930s and Bonnie and Clyde are on the loose. And the men to save uh, everyone from Bonnie and Clyde are Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson. Anyway. <laughs> Highwaymen. <laughs> is it okay to root for Bonnie and Clyde? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think so. Uh, anyway, so that's like three big immersive ones. And then you've also got a Facebook house, a Bumble house, a, uh, a visible a house, house. For, <laughs> a visible house for that new wireless brand where they're doing the, what is it? A see-through, what is it, Marty? Yeah, it's like a see-through? plexiglass, like a see-through music box where people can go in and mm-hmm. record a track. They're going to have like a drum set and stuff like that. And then, um. It's all about, quote-unquote, transparency of pricing. So there's Mm -hmm. a big metaphor of sales pitch attached to it. 
Oh yeah, transparent glass, transparent prices. Um, anyway, so those are those are a few of them, and then there are like a ton more that I can't remember. The NBC for some reason is having you go and sit at Michael Scott's desk, where you can be the world's best boss. I mean, but uh, it's the all this in, stuff. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut in, but I mean. Sorry, I'm not a big Office fan, but it's an old Marty. show. Why are they promoting things that are in the past? Because it's in because syndication. Because what's going to happen, I, know. <laughs> I guarantee this, is that The Office is going to be pulled from Netflix at some point to whatever streaming platform solely for NBC. And then they'll be like, remember how you stream The Office every night to get you to feel okay about the world? You can't do it on Netflix anymore. You got to do it through us. Pay for our streaming service. Pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> pay us, CBS, NBC, all of us. Pay all of us for mm-hmm. streaming. Mm-hmm. All the money. Mm-hmm. Pay for journalism. Pay for Adweek. <laughs> pay for journalism. Yeah. Yeah, we just slip in a Adweek subscription message in there. Little, so little all all of that is to say that this is where brands are like, people doing things for us? Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, it and- does feel like by attending this, you're not, I, I mean, I'm sure you do pick up professional insights and you know hopefully people do go to the to the sessions and stuff uh but but yeah it feels like to your point that you're basically going as a as an audience member Mm -hmm. like you're going to be someone who views with and interacts stuff but on the other hand that's kind of cool like i don't go to to comic-con because i'm just not that into comic-y stuff but i'm like really into weird brand shit (laughs) <laughs> like, like, yeah. Like, I'm still obsessed with the that thing Katie Richards did last year of like sleeping with 800 people on mattresses during an eight hour concert or whatever that was. Like, that's yeah, stuff. for beauty rest. I'm oh, always down weird. for that. Yeah, I'm just like show me, show me the weird branch. It. I'm, I'm in. Christina, whatever happened to beauty rest? They're not coming this year, are they? I mean, brands don't come every year, but I, I haven't heard from them. If beauty rest is gonna give us mattresses to sleep on during some experiential activation you'll be there josh don't you well, worry <laughs> a few a few years ago and and i don't remember the brand and it might have been beauty rest but they they gave okay let, let me see how i can phrase this they let influencers give out mattresses to people casper i think that was a casper thing <sighs> was it Sound I think it was. They had a they had a napping pod there two years ago, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I don't know. Mattresses at South by, you know, people are tired from going to all the things. We're trying to solve this problem. I was very tired last year. By providing sleep. But then there's people like me that hate sleep. Don't do uh, it, Marty. I won't go there, though. That is not a conversation <laughs> for this please. podcast. We won't. But, but, Marty, yeah. please no. <laughs> but I will say one other thing. The interesting thing about the immersive stuff, I... I cannot but think of, you know, like Sleep No More, you know, for anyone that doesn't know about it, it's like this big immersive theater thing here in New York where it's, you go into a room for, I think, three hours, not even a room, it's a whole floor of a building, a couple floors in, on the west side, and it's it's amazing. Um, I've, I did it twice, and it's, it's, uh, it's loosely themed on Macbeth, actually very themed on Macbeth, but then it's set in the Alfred Hitchcock 
Hitchcock era. It's like the 1920s. Um, and you just walk through all these rooms and the characters don't talk, but you can follow them. And it's a really interesting. I've, actually, I went twice in two, three days and still didn't see enough. I got a free invite from a friend. That was the second wow, one. But it was just flex. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, that was a rent. I would not pay twice in a row because it's expensive. But it was a really cool thing um, just to be able to experience. And I haven't forgotten about it, you know. And, and I know there's one on Alice in Wonderland over in Williamsburg. So those aren't branded things. But if brands can do stuff like that, like we're seeing, it's – I would love to see a more permanent one somewhere though. I wonder if anyone's going to do something not just at South By but take over a whole, I don't know, abandoned mall somewhere or something. I mean what? isn't that Disney World? Hey, hey, hey. Here's what I want. You, you know – it, you guys know that um, that blockchain city they're building in the desert? Marty what? Is a, Wait, what? Marty is a, yeah, this, so one of the major blockchain companies is trying to build a city in the desert powered entirely off the blockchain. Can I go I and d- cover it? Yeah, I mean, it's literally <laughs> just the desert at this point. Um, but like, okay, here's what I want. I want that city to become this lawless, like permanent burning man like this dystopian <laughs> and, and then I want them to have a major festival every year where where like the law doesn't apply. Like you they're, want the purge. What you yeah, want it's is like the purge. purge. <laughs> no, not like not like in the murder everybody way, but like like when you're describing the the Westworld kind of thing where it's just just this complete but as soon as I heard that that summary of like we're gonna build a city in the desert mate where only the blockchain rules <laughs> and I was just like the blockchain has no morality. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I kind of want to go to this. Okay, yeah, it's near Reno, so very close to uh, where um, what you recall it is. Um, I keep seeing Westeros, Westeros now. Um, Nothing's near Reno. What Tahoe? Nothing's near Reno. No. <laughs> a desert. Reno, yeah, the desert. Yeah, I'll have to check this out. A desert. You know, a hot, a place desert, with no water. Yes, Burning Man. That's what I was looking for. Not Westeros. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> clearly, I've never seen Game of Thrones. Not, not the fictional world of Game of Thrones. I was actually thinking of Burning Man. No, fictional um, world of Burning Man. Josh, was last year your first uh, South by? Yes, it was. I have only heard about South by from that one season of the Real World Austin, in which they make music videos for the South by Festival, and that is how I learned about a bunch of bands, and also that it used to be a music festival. <laughs> I think Who they would thought? say that they still somewhat are, but like they've kind of broken it up, right? It's like South by Southwest music, South by Southwest film, maybe, and then interactive. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Speaking of music, though, actually. Uh, Pandora and Spotify are going to have scaled back presences this year, which is kind of interesting considering, you know, they're big major music companies. A lot of brands also have like not have pulled back in like such a way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why I mentioned, uh, Comic-Con because it does feel like it's becoming an entertainment, um, venue like a place to roll out these big kind of because uh, yeah we're, we keep hearing kind of like with can and a few other festivals you know that a lot of these tech players and big media companies they're investing less in the public facing stuff and more in private vip events uh, at a lot of these festivals where they're they're going to bring in you know um a major celebrity but they're going to do it as a private dinner for their clients not as like a party for 5000 people um so i've wondered if that change is happening at south by too of where where more of it's kind of off the main grid off the main program i i feel that that's a little bit of an exception of like as we are as a society of just like how marty last year got fomo for not going to westworld but 
I think about Westworld and I was like, wow, it was really dark out there. Also, I nearly died. But I don't really get that thing of just like I missed out because I went there. But it's sort of just Mm. like all of these experiences are only for this weekend. So there's not going to be another Netflix like activation. This Westeros thing is never going to happen again unless they do it again. But they they don't. It's not a repeat. It's a one time deal. Mm. So it's one of those things where it's just like this person will remember this. But no, it's pretty much just going off the FOMO, like kind of fire festival type deal of I got here, here are all my Instagram clips, here's me with an actor who worked his entire life and this is the role that he got. And it's just like, that's what marketing is at this point, I think, where it's just like, you, I get to go, you don't get to go, here's why. Yeah. Let, let's let's talk about cannabis. Um, because I... I <laughs> I really <laughs> do. I really do feel like uh, there is some. I don't know, Christina. You might have a thought on on this specifically. Like, I feel like cannabis is at a crossroads where it could either go in a direction of become very mainstream in the MedMen kind of way, right? Of like becoming the Apple stores of pot and like the mm-hmm. like it having a and just becoming you know like like a lot of like beer like anything where it's just like yeah I don't know I got my favorite brands. But then also there's still this edginess that they kind of want to have, which you also see with blockchain stuff and, um, you know, that that I do feel like it's at a crossroads of how legitimate and how not sketchy it wants to be as an industry, um, which I'm sure liquor went through at a, in, in a phase two. Um, but I'm curious how you guys feel that this South by Southwest, how important will it be for kind of that future of the of cannabis as a category? I don't know if cannabis as a category um, can can really truly take off until a lot of the legal and um, social issues around it are worked out. And I think that any brand in that space has to be thinking about that. And I would hope that as part of these uh, conversations that people are having, that anything to do with cannabis is also about working to figure out the legal issues in various states and also to figure out the social issues where there's a lot of injustice associated with cannabis. I mean, you can't really have cannabis as a legitimate industry uh, when thousands of people are still serving jail time because of it. It just... Yeah, (laughs) especially because all these startups are often being... These new legal cannabis companies are being started by... Are they legal? young white men? Are they legal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's a it's an, what's that? Are they legal? Well, some of the ones in let's say like Colorado, for example, yeah. California. Yeah. Okay. But no, that's a really good point. I mean, it's like those should be the people that I mean, as they're building these companies, they should be the biggest advocates for changing criminal justice reform. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I think a little sidestep on the cannabis debate is the 2019 like big push into CBD. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that might be like the way to get cannabis into like mainstream in stores and stuff like that. Because even in New York, like New York, they've been cracking down on it. But like CBD products are like rising up everywhere. There is like the recess pop up, which is like sparkling water infused with CBD. Yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was like CBD coffee shops. And like even at South by there are some like brands and other like companies offering like CBD facials, take a CBD <laughs> coffee. Like it's one of those things where it's just like. It's getting there, but I feel like this will be the Trojan horse into getting cannabis into more along the line. So just like, it's not weed. It's just stuff to make you relax. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's a good point. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I feel like my my Instagram. A lot of the people I follow has suddenly become like. There's a lot of people going all in on on uh, cannabis and the marketing that they're building is really bright and professional and healthy, I guess. I don't know, is, is kind of the word that comes to mind. Like they seem, they seem like people just out living their best life. And, I, and I'm not, not talking like photography, like, like as in staged photography. These yeah. are people who mm-hmm. are really passionate about this industry. And then part of me is just always like, man, I hope you guys win out. You know, I hope you end up being the driving force. It's like, not to make a, a weird parallel, but you it, like to Cindy Gallup's point, right? Like pornography could have gone that way. Like it could have been a legitimate industry that had, you know, that positive aspects or that leaned into itself, like in a more respectable way. But it obviously did not. Like it ended up being a super gross industry and very exploitative. And I feel like, you know, that's maybe a weird comparison, but I don't know. I just get this feeling and like South by Southwest is happening kind of right when there's several forces at play here. Um, but I'm hopeful that cannabis will become a more, I don't know, just a, a, a category in the way that because uh, to me, it's a lot less gross as a category than something like uh, pharmaceuticals, you know, where yeah. you just there's so much devastation happening because of the the brandization and the corporate control of pharmaceuticals. Um, so in the, but in that's the, exactly what could that's what could happen with cannabis as we do this, you know, yeah. like I, I, I personally, I don't, I, I hope that things change for the better but I don't really care about these brands winning out until people are not in jail for it. Like, I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm that, sorry, just to put a, it yeah. that way. Like, I just, if there's someone still serving time over cannabis and there's, a, you know, a, a, <laughs> a person who's probably white and probably a young man making, uh, millions of dollars off the business like that that's just it's Mm -hmm. just it's an injustice in our society writ large was was it billy ray cyrus (laughs) the other day that like posted the photo it was it was opening a a safe filled with just hundreds of pounds of weed what and he was just like man how the times have changed and then every comment was just like there are hundreds of thousands of young black men in prison right now (laughs) over over like one Mm -hmm. ounce of weed yeah Um, well it'll be interesting to see how the laws Again, this is all like kind of forward-looking stuff versus actually fixing, you know, issues from the past. But um, I'll be curious in the next couple of years to see how, at least in the Northeast here, how the laws change pretty quickly. I know that, you know, it's a chance that New York might have changed laws in the next year or so. But I was talking to uh, one investor, like a venture capitalist, like a couple months ago, and they're pretty bullish on cannabis companies. They've invested in a few, and they're talking about how the – the laws are going to quickly change because of the close proximity and borders. And so if, if it changes in one, then the others will have to follow suit. So let's say it changes in New York, then New Jersey is probably going to follow suit, but especially if it happens in Vermont. And so it could have a ripple effect. But I really uh, – but back to Christina's point, yeah, I'm really curious in how these two things are going. There's, there almost should be some sort of stipulation in the law that if this is – you know, as this is passed, these criminal records are also wiped out. I don't see why that shouldn't be an easy fix. Someone will have an issue with it. What's that? Someone right. will have an immediate issue. Yeah. Why are we letting all these cri- uh, criminals out onto the streets? For yeah. what? Because they right. didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> but I, I will say, like, you know, 
I am, <laughs> as I've repeatedly said, not at all for brands to be making money while this is happening uh, and people are in jail. But, you know, I will say um, kudos to MedMen for actually addressing that injustice in their first uh, campaign. Well, let's, uh, you should check it out. Let's... um. Get back to South by Southwest real quick as we wrap up here. I'm curious, uh, kind of a lightning round uh, for each of you. What are you going to be looking for in addition to the stuff you already know and that you've already made appointments for and to go see, uh, like the HBO activation and Netflix and all that? Um, Josh, why don't you start us off? Like, what are you going to be looking for? What I'm going to be looking for is a great plate of barbecue ribs. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I'm really actually excited to see. Um, Culture Trips is a UK magazine that actually their first marketing effort in the US is actually going to be at South by Southwest. So they have like an activation in which they have like a bunch of like um, different things, different like venues inside of their activation, but also they have every night for from the 9th to the 11th different nighttime things. So like on Monday, the week afterwards, they're going to have drag bingo with some, uh, excuse me. From, from people from uh, RuPaul's Drag Race actually come by and do bingo, and that's going to be really crazy. Yeah, the night before they're having uh, a Hong Kong supermarket. Yeah, so that'll yeah. be interesting. Marty, what are you going to be looking for? Uh, that's a lot. I, I always have a hard time planning South By because there's a lot that I want to check out. Um, I mean, obviously, just based on my beat, I mean, I'll be really curious about a lot of the... There's a lot of VR talks. There's a whole track at the JW Marriott one of the days, actually a couple of the days, so um, I'm curious about that um, and just kind of how that's progressing. seems like there's a lot of different uses outside of marketing, like tourism stuff is doing some stuff there. But um, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I mean, I'll be there for the blockchain track as well. I'm really curious to see what kind of discussions come out of that um, just because, I mean, obviously marketers are talking about it more and more, at least kicking the tires about it. But it's a lot of other use cases. So I'm curious how it, like a pop culture event like South By might drive – least headlines for um, blockchain. Um, but then there's other things too. Like there's this company that's uh, the CEO of this tricycle company is bicycling or tricycling uh, from Florida to South by. <laughs> so I'm really kind of curious how that's going to happen. That would make a great movie. Just putting it out there. That's a good point. Yeah, like that, <laughs> like that one about the dude who rode the tractor. It's going to be like that. It's going to be called trike. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, Chris, Christina, what are you going to be looking for when you hit the ground? Um, I am going to be looking for. <sighs> what am I going to be looking for? <laughs> A nap. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going to be looking for anything that actually surprises me. I mean. I know that's not necessarily what people want to hear, but uh, often, you know, there's a lot of similarity in these experiences that we go to. And so much of it is like, here's a cool Instagram image and you're done. (laughs) And I I just want something that's actually immersive. That would be really cool. I also want to see how Howard Schultz, what he has to say (laughs) because he's speaking and who boy it's going to unite america is he (laughs) everyone's gonna be like ah Mm -hmm. finally a billionaire to tell me how how we can all get together well Uh, he doesn't want to be called a billionaire 
Yeah, that's right. People with means. People of means. Yes. <laughs> Just a man of means. Billionaire is a bad word, guys. Mm. The B word. Mm-hmm. The B word. <laughs> Billionaire. Uh, all right. Uh, well, I encourage everyone to keep an eye on adweek.com and to follow Christina Montlos, Marty Swant, and Josh Rios on the Twitter and Instagram. Uh, look them all up. I'll, uh, we can drop in some links in the show notes to help people find everybody. But, uh, yeah, it's amazing coverage every year. I love our video stuff, so I'm looking forward to seeing what Josh's team uh, comes out of it with. Uh, but, yeah, keep an eye on adweek.com. Uh, everybody, thanks for coming on, and uh, safe travels. Try not to uh, die in a ditch or anything. <laughs> Too soon. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, gonna, way too soon. Yeah. All right. And if anything goes tragically wrong, it's going to be like, Griner, that was, man, you've just, you ruined it. Ominous. That was dark. The omen. Note to self. All no right. buses. See you, like, right. see you guys after Austin. Our theme music. <laughs> Our theme music is by Home. This episode was edited by Lane McGibney and produced by Andre Fernando with audio production by our own Josh Rios. Josh, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Please take a moment, if you haven't already, to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews help us uh, feel better about ourselves, and they help new listeners discover the show. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week. 